Wow. There we go. Well, good morning, friends. Hopefully you slept okay. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Jonah. We're still in chapter one. We're going to still continue to be in chapter one, kind of moving on to chapter two a little bit. What did we see here? We're going to unpack that a little bit as we continue the story of Jonah who, what we heard about last night, if you remember, Jonah is a prophet, one whose job is to speak on behalf of God, and he thought in his own mind, I know what's best, I know better than the gardener, better than God, and so he decides to run away as far as he can, not listening to God, and unfortunately, as we talked about it, that's sin, and we all, we all do it. We all at some point think we, we know better than him, better than the gardener. And today we're going to see, unfortunately, so there's some of those consequences of choices that we make, how it affects us, and it also affects other people as well, as he's going to have a big impact on Jonah as he thinks he can run from the Lord. We're about to see, can't run from the Lord. As we remember this whiteboard, as we think about who he is, he's creator, all-powerful, He is in control, and that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Jonah, chapter 1, verse 4. Let me back up here. It just says, remember, Jonah said no to the Lord, and he ran his own way. He goes to Tarshish, which is a a, a seaport. He's leaving Israel. He wants nothing to do with God and the people and the job that God has given him. So he runs. He joins a a group of sailors, uh, and and they set out. And these sailors, these these are guys, this is what they do for a living. They go out onto the sea, the Mediterranean. They're not new to the ocean and the storms, and look what happens. As Jonah tries to run away from the presence of the Lord, verse 4, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and we saw that yesterday. Remember with the the lawnmower and the airplane, they're using it here as an airplane, Um, and and there's a storm happening that the the Lord is creating, and of course here with uh, a, a blower here, the wind is bring the, the God of the universe who's created it all. He's the one who brings the storm. He's the one who brings this wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty, uh, a mighty vicious storm, tempest sor- storm on the sea. So that the ships, th- uh, the ship that Jonah was on threatened to just fall apart. And the mariners, the sailors, they were afraid. Stop and think about that. How many of you guys like going on boats? Anybody like going on boats? You guys have been, you know, you like boats. You've been on some bad weather. Those that really love boating, you've probably seen some good storms out there, whatever that might be, whether it's sailing or just, you know, out there water skiing or whatever it is. If you're in the sea that's rough, you're kind of used to rough seas. These are sailors. This is what they do for a living. The fact that they were afraid means this storm is unlike anything they've really seen, and they were terrified says this, they were afraid and they cried out to each other's gods and they, they hurled cargo that was on the ship into the sea to lighten the load for them. But Jonah had gone down into the parts of the ship, laid down and was fast asleep. And the captain came to him, said, what do you mean you sleeper? Rise up, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give us thought to us that we may not perish. They said to one another, come, let's cast lots. Let's roll some dice 
It's what they used to do to see what number it fell on, and they would somehow decide that that would be, you know, the God maybe controlled those dice, and it would be able to point to whose fault it was. So they said, come, let's cast lots. We may see on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lots fell on Jonah. And they said to him, tell us whose account this evil has come upon us. What's your occupation? Where do you come from? Where's your country? What people are you? He said to them, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea that you're on. I worship that God, the one who's in control of it all, the sea that we're going on. Yeah, I I know that God. I fear that God. He, the one who made dry land and the men were exceedingly afraid and they said, what have you done? The men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them, stop and think about that for a moment, friends. These men who have no idea who God is, they recognize that Jonah's running away from that God. And they're like, what are you crazy? Why would you do that? These sailors recognize the power and a right view of God when Jonah seemed to be missing it. They said to him, what do we need to do to get the sea to quiet down? For the sea grew more and more vicious. And he said to them, pick me up, throw me into the sea, and the sea would quiet down for you. For I know it's because of me that this great storm has come upon us. Nevertheless, the men didn't listen to him. They rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they couldn't. The sea grew more and more vicious. Therefore, God, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let's not let us perish for this man's life. Lay not On us, innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as you please. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And that's what we see here with the airplane. What do we do? Jonah's like, throw me off. They're like, we don't want to. You got to do it. See you, Jonah. And they go, and did you catch it? As soon as they go, they're like, here we go, hold on. Wait, the wind's gone. This is awesome. The same God who brought the storm, who has the power to control weather, has also the power to stop the storm in a moment. And that's what we see here. So here's Jonah floating in the ocean. Here, we saw it in a big pile of leaves. And he's like, well, my life's over now. I guess this is it. And the little bee said something really interesting. Did you miss it? Hey, you might have given up on the Lord, but I don't think the Lord has given up on you yet. And sure enough, you come over with a little rake and throw him in a trash can. There he sits. Well, in the Bible, God shows once again the fact that he is in control of all things as he brings a fish. What exactly this fish is, we don't know. And a lot of times this stumps some of us. Well, there is no big, great fish that a man can live in today. Yeah, you're right. But the God who can calm storms, the God who can create life, who can breathe and speak stars into place and and, and create everything in his breath, I'm pretty confident that that God who can create can create a fish and on command say, come, and I want you to be at this spot at the right time, once again showing his power. Someone can be inside of this fish and not get digested and, you know, and, and killed. That that God who creates could do that. Why? Because God has all power and he's in control. And here, the Lord has appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of a fish 
Three days and three nights, Jonah prayed to the Lord from the belly of the fish. And we saw that in the trash can. We have our gnome, Jojo, in there. Woe is me, life is hard. God, where are you? And I'm sorry. In this next section in chapter 2 is Jonah's prayer. I'm going to encourage you to read that at some point this weekend. I want you to get your eyes on verse 9. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, here's Jonah in the pit of the well after a storm and thrown into the ocean, looking back on life. And he says this, I'll sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation, hope belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish once again, showing he has control over everything. And it vomited Jonah up on to dry land. Would you pray with me as we begin? Lord, thank you for this morning waking us all up, that you have the power to wake us up, and you did that this morning. You have control. You are all powerful, and we forget that sometimes. We take it for granted. And as you speak, times we don't listen because we forget a right view of who you are. And I pray each one of us in this room, we don't run off to the very next activity without stopping and recognizing that you're in control. No matter how scary life may seem, no matter what storms come in our way, whether we caused the storm or you brought them for our own good, you're in control and may we see that. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This morning is simple. What we're talking about, what you've just read in chapter 1 and a little bit of chapter 2, is that God is sovereign. That word, um, a good you know, word that we need to know, God is sovereign, which means God is in control when things look a little out of control. And we just saw in this, this, this skit up here, the drum up here, as well as in the Bible, we read constantly that God is in control. God's the one who calls Jonah when Jonah runs away. God is going to not, his plans aren't ruined. He gets on a ship as if he can run from the presence of the Lord. And God's like, all right, well, you want to run. You want me to show you my power? I'll show you my power. And he brings a storm unlike any other storm. That these sailors, these grown men sailors, that this is what they do for a living. All of their life, they've grown up on the ocean. And this storm is unlike any other, that they are terrified, doing all that they can, crying out to any God that they might remember in all of their voyages and all of their experiences. Let's call on the sea God. Let's call all these other gods that are just false gods that aren't doing anything on their own power. They're trying to, hey, maybe if I do this, then the storm will calm. And here all the while, Jonah, the one that can actually do something about this thing, he's asleep. He doesn't care what's happening to these people. On behalf, he's the one that the storm is here. His sin is affecting other people, and we mentioned that last night. Your sin has a potential to affect not just you, but other people, and other people's sin and consequences might have affected some of you in this room, and it's a bummer. But can I tell you, even in the midst of that storm and the 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 idea that your sin might affect others or other people's sin might affect you, God is still in control. We see these men crying out and Jonah has an opportunity to tell them about who God, the God, the only God that actually really exists. All your little gods aren't the God. Let me tell you about Yahweh, my God. My God created everything. 
He's controlling the sea. He controls the storm. That God told me to do something and I didn't do it. And they're like, what did you do? Are you crazy? He's like, I'm sorry. He doesn't even say I'm sorry. Isn't it interesting? He never apologizes. They are terrified. They're throwing all their cargo, all their livelihood. The reason why they're sailors is to get stuff, cargo, from one port to the next. They're throwing off their livelihood. Everything's just falling apart because of this guy's consequences. And they finally say, what do we have to do? And he's like, get rid of me. And they try not to, but then over time, as it's getting more and more dangerous, they toss him overboard. And the, calm, the storm stops, and it's amazing. we got to stop and think about that again. God who brings the storm has the, the, the ability to calm those storms. And he brings this fish right at the right time. And something that looks so scary and terrifying actually is his hope and salvation because he's rescued because of God. And in the belly of the well, he has this amazing prayer as he's just recognizing, again, a right view of God. And as he says that, finally, three days later, he gets spit out on a dry land. And he says, all right. God, you want me to go to the backyard? You want me to go to Nineveh? I'll go. God is in control of it all. And we might not see it because life gets a little crazy sometimes. My daughter, who's back there in the back, Isley, she, uh, when she was a kid, she loved, she loves people. She just does love people. And she would just kind of walk and just take off on me without telling me where she's going. And all the while, like, uh, it scares me sometimes. I'd have to sit down. Isley, you gotta, you can't just leave dad. You gotta stay next to me. You gotta tell me where you're going. And I'm in a conversation. She's gone. I'm like, where'd you go? Okay, I see her little beanie on. And, you know, I'm following her. From my eyes, I know where my daughter is. It's still scary because I don't want her to leave dad. But there's, I can only say so many times, don't leave dad's side. Don't leave dad's side. But she's so young, she just would roll. And if I put my, my thoughts into her mind, here's little Isley walking around, and everything looks so big and scary to her. But for now, she's walking around, and everything is great. But all these tall people are all around her, and it's chaotic. All these moving people, and she doesn't really recognize that it's scary until the moment she looks around, and she doesn't see Dad, and she's asking, I'm imagining in her mind, where's Dad? In the midst of chaos all around me, where is Dad? All the while, Dad knows where she is. And I have to stop and just think, God, Isley, when are you going to stop and look for Dad? Because I could keep going over and pulling you back, but I need you to stop and recognize Dad sees you in the midst of the storm, the chaos. I need you to stop and look to see where I might be because I know where you are. God's in control in the midst of storm and chaos. He sees it all. There's times that our sin brings on the storms. There's times where other people's sin brings on storms and chaos in our life. And there's other times that God allows storms to happen so that we look to him to see what he might be up to. Because life isn't about us. He might be using your life to bless more people and other people. That might mean we go through some hardships as individuals and Christians for the greater good for more people to understand and look to him. And we see that throughout the Bible. Is it fair? It's not fair. Would we want it to happen? No, but his ways are not our ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. So we need to look to him in the midst of the storm. And then I think about God being in control. There's another person in the Bible that I think we have to talk to about briefly. Because we have to understand God is in control when things look a little out of control. His name is Joseph. 
Joseph is in the book of Genesis. A lot of us know that story. Joseph, the the son, has lots of brothers. He has a big, shiny coat. Remember, the brothers hate him. You know what story I'm saying? Anybody know? All right, one word again. We talked about it with Jonah yesterday. Just spit it out kind of one at a time. Let's tell the story of Jonah or of Joseph in one word only. One word. Slavery. Good. What else? Prison. Okay, that's another one. What? King advisor. Good. What else? Deliverance. What else? Betrayal. Okay, good. Betrayal. Hang on. Betrayal is an interesting one. A man, this is a life story. This is just a, you know, a, a bedtime story we read about. This is somebody's life. We said betrayal. And I wonder if there's some of us in this room that feel betrayed. Let's talk about that for a second. Betrayal. Who said betrayal? Betrayal by who? By his brothers. Who else betrayed him, do you think? Anybody else know? Was he betrayed by who? His What's that? His father. Okay. What else? The slave master. Who else was he betrayed by? Anybody know? What's that? Brothers, yes, anybody? Okay, good, slave masters, yep, good. Who else? Cupbearer, yes, a friend of his, right? Again, here's how the story goes. Very quick version, right? Joseph had a dream, all brothers would bow down, brothers didn't like that, so they're like, let's get rid of him. They want to kill him. You talk about family drama, these brothers wanted to kill their own brother. Instead, they just throw him in a big, well, a big cistern, a big hole in the ground, And then some people come down, they're like, let's not kill him, let's sell him into slavery. So they sell him, they get some money, they come back and tell dad, sorry, Joseph died. Dad's heartbroken. You talk about just your lies, how it affects other people. Dad's broken. He thinks brother's gone, brother's dead. Now we're on the story of Joseph's life, and he's just sitting in this this hole because his brothers betrayed him. For what reason? And now he gets out of there, and he, he's, he's working under this guy named Potiphar, and um, he's doing good things because the Lord is with him, and everything's starting to actually work out the way that it should as a faithful guy who loves the Lord until Potiphar's wife accuses him of something he didn't do, and Potiphar, the guy in charge, he says, you're, my wife said you did this, therefore you're going to jail. And he's like, but I didn't do it doesn't matter. You're going to jail. So him doing the right thing sent him to prison for over 13 years. Let that set in. He did the right thing and he's in prison for not a year, 13 years of his life. He's just sitting in prison for doing the right thing. So he's betrayed by his family, left for dead, sold into another family and having to work something that he didn't do that he didn't want to do, he wasn't born to do. Now he's forced to do this work. He was lied about. Now he's thrown into prison. He starts to make friends. He, he, he interprets some dreams. And then he's like, look, if this comes true, don't forget about me. And he does. He interprets these dreams. And one of his friends gets out of prison. And he's like, ah, I forgot about Joseph. And he forgets about Joseph for years. So not only is he betrayed by family, and some of you might feel hurt by families, betrayed by, you know, uh, uh, co-workers and, 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 and other people in his life and then he's betrayed by friends and he has a hard broken life and all the while it says God's spirit is with him eventually he's going to get out of prison and he interprets dreams for the pharaoh the, the guy in charge of Egypt and then the, the pharaoh's like man I like this guy and he appoints him to be second in charge of all of Pharaoh's land. So it's a big deal. And again, we look at this, we're like, oh, this is great. He's second in charge. That's pretty good. Well, he wouldn't think it's pretty good when he's sitting in prison year four for something he didn't even do. He's thinking back on life. Well, what happened here? 
God, where, where are you at in the midst of this? So it gets really interesting. The brothers that, you know, put him into slavery, now they're coming to Egypt because they're asking for food. And guess what? Joseph's in charge of food. And, and go and read this in the, in the book of Genesis. It's a fascinating story. But here's where it gets really awesome. The human nature side comes out of me, right? And I'm like, oh, you throw me into prison? You sold me into slavery? You come to my house and you ask me for food? You don't know I'm Joseph. Reckoning is happening, and I'm about to destroy you, brothers, for making my life what it is. It's been an awful hardship, and you did it. He says this in first chapter 45 of Genesis. Now the brothers, uh, sorry, sorry, in, in verse 4. So Joseph finally said to his brothers, the brothers are coming to ask for food. They don't know it's Joseph. And Joseph, he's about to stand up and say, it's me. Get ready, you're done, right? It's, it's over for you. In verse 4, so Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. They came near and he said, hey, I'm your brother, right? It's like, Star Wars, I'm your father, right? Oh, no, what? It's my brother, what? I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. I guarantee you every jaw was open. Oh, no, we're done. Here it comes. Just the wrath of Joseph. All that anger and rage and frustration of our hurt life. He says this in verse 5. And now, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. Hang on a minute. Sorry. Yep, sorry. So, he's mad. He's angry. The brothers are here. He's like, come, draw near. My wrath is coming. And he says this, don't be afraid. You sold me here, but God brought me here. Huh. What did we miss? Oh, yeah, you know what? Let's go to another verse. Let's go uh, chapter 50. Um, you know, his, his, his father now has died. Brothers are scared. Everything seems to be going well, but the brothers are terrified. Now, his wrath is really going to come out, right? For all just the, in, the unjust like things that they put on his brother's life, he says this. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we're your servants. And Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid, for I am in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about many people that should be kept alive as they are today. What is happening? Joseph has had an awful life, an awful life that his brothers decided to do. He started it. His life could have been so different, yet they lied about it and they threw him in a ditch and they wanted to kill him. And he has this opportunity to get revenge on him. And he says, you know what? I forgive you. What you intended for evil, what you were doing out of selfish ambition, God is going to use for good. And he has. Because I'm in this position to bless many people and point them to the Lord. What? How can he do that in the midst of a hardship and a hard life? Because Joseph knew who was in control. No matter how chaotic life got, Joseph knew God was in control of things. Nothing was catching God off guard. Nothing went beyond his scope of knowledge. Nothing is out there that could ruin his plans. God isn't doing 
the best that he can with the choices that we make. We think that sometimes, don't we? Is if Adam and Eve sinned and God's like, oh no, my plan's ruined. Where do I am? Jonah, I need you to go to the backyard. I don't want to go to the backyard. Oh no! Oh gosh, I thought it was better than this. I don't even know what I'm gonna do. That's how we think God is. All right, COVID hits. God didn't see COVID, oh man. God missed it. We think that there's things outside of God's control, that something happens, that we have this potential to ruin God's plans. And friends, can I just remind you, God is in control. Nothing's outside of that, as chaotic as life might look. And and sin that people use and cause in your life that starts to affect your life, what, what people intend for evil, God will and can use for good. When things look out of control, may we look to the God and ask that, that, that is in control and ask what he might be up to. Joseph, it's hard to, com- to, to comprehend that he doesn't get angry, but he seems to get it. He's not bitter. He's not angry. He understands God is doing something. He chooses to see what God is doing in the midst of it all. He trusts God. Not, he, got, he trusts God that he's in control. Was it easy? No. He was in prison. He has family issues. Is it what he would want for his life? No, but he he trusts in the midst of chaos. And life is chaotic. Life seems like there's storms, right? So much chaos. I think about Isley just walking through and all this chaos and everything's all around me. What's happening? What's happening? Life is chaotic. And life, I've got a little video here for you. Life sometimes looks a little like this. Watch, and we'll talk about it. If you've seen it, zip it. Zip it. All right, pause. How many? How many? Good. Pause. Now, some of you have seen this, obviously, but other people are like, what? How many of you saw the moonwalking bear? How many missed the moonwalking bear? How many think there is no moonwalking bear? Interesting. I kid you not, this is the exact same video, 100% same video. I missed it the first time. I went back and watched it, and I did this. No! Get ready. Watch for the moonwalking bear. Wait for it. There it is. Pause this line. Hey, help me out real quick, everybody. I want us to uh, listen up. I want us to read this line together out loud. You ready? Here it goes. It's easy to miss something you're not looking for. I think when it comes to understanding the storms in our life, it's easy to miss things we're not looking for. Joseph could have went down this dark, dark path of woe is me, woe is me, why did this happen? 
Why did this happen? Yet he stopped and he has to recognize, even in the midst of this storm and craziness, God has to be up to something. Jonah in the belly of the well, he recognizes, it was my fault. He even says it to these sailors. This is on me. I caused this. God brought it, but I, my consequences and my actions affects you, and I'm sorry. As he's sitting in the belly of this well, he's understanding God is in control. He doesn't know if he's getting out of the belly of the well or the trash can. He doesn't know, and he says this line in the trash can, I loved it. If you give me another chance, I will then do things differently. And he says that at the end of that prayer in in, in Jonah chapter 2. God, you are salvation. You are what I want to put my hope in. Give me another chance. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of storms, friends, may we not be too anxious to get out of the storm. May we actually stop and put our eyes on what God might actually be doing in the midst of the storm and the chaos. Why? Because you always miss what you're not looking for. In the midst of the storm, may we trust that God is in control. He's the one who brings the storms. He's the one who calms the storms. He's the one who brings salvation, maybe through a big fish at the right time, at the right place, because what you might intend for evil or other people might intend for evil, God will use for good. We see it throughout the Bible. The question is, is who is God and why should you care? Because if you don't think he is the one that can control all of these things, that there are things outside of control of God, then he's not God. But if he is the one that can control it all, that he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, that, that he controls all things, that is the one I put my faith and trust in. And no matter what might come my way, hardship, good times, bad times, I can understand and rest in the fact that he is in control. And it is awesome that Jonah, in the midst of his own sin that he brought on, recognizing, God, you are in control. You are my salvation. May I now do what you want me to do. And at that moment, three days later, the fish spits him out onto dry land because he's got a job to do. The question is, does he do it? Let me pray for us. God, thanks for this time. As we continue to walk through this day may we have a right view of you understanding that you are all powerful all creator you are loving you are fully satisfying you are good and you are holy and set apart you tell us to do things not because you're mean but because you're personal and you have a plan and maybe trust that plan when storms and chaos come into our life maybe not run from the storm and may we simply look to you and ask what you might be doing in the midst of it. Because may we look for you. We don't want to miss what you might be doing. Protect our hearts. Be with our conversations this morning, we pray. Amen.